Welcome back to another episode of Chats with the Starving Artists. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for your feedback, the subscriptions, the replies, the notes, the sharing. Any sort of constructive criticism you have to make it better is greatly, greatly appreciated. We have some really, really dope episodes coming up, and I'm just grateful to have the creative community that we have that I'm talking to about everything that we're talking about on the show. And today, we have a really, really dope creative um, who I've known for some years, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of my time here in New York. So yeah, and, and uptown in Harlem. And with no further ado, I want to introduce uh, Ms. Jovi and Irvin to uh, Chats with the Starving Artist. Thank you for, for joining We use my government name. <laughs> yes. I mean, also known, I mean, also known as Jovi and Zane, right. which is my government as well. Right. My middle. Right, right, right. Okay. Awesome. Hello, family. Right. Thank you. So real quick, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and... What's your former creativity is? Ooh, that's a great question, the, the former creativity. My name is Jovian Zane. I was born in Denton, Texas, but grew up in North Carolina. Uh, I fancy myself as an evangelist of purpose. Hmm. So I lead the On Purpose movement, which isn't just a collective or a business, but as I've been reminded, frankly, by God recently, it is a ministry for me. And hmm. so... Um, I work to help businesses and organizations and individuals live and work on purpose. Hmm. So we provide people with the resources, support, and inspiration to live your life, not just by accident, but truly with the intention to serve your purpose. So helping people, an evangelist of the purpose movement, that's what you said? Mm-hmm. But what exactly does that mean? I mean, is it, is it the last kind of thing that you just summed up, or how would you kind of... Yeah. If you can say that in like a sentence, what is that? You know, like elevator pitch was what, like 30 seconds? I help people to tap into who they are mm-hmm. and to make intentional decisions every day to be that person. So you wouldn't call yourself a life coach? No, though I am a coach. I'm a certified professional coach, okay. for sure. What does it take to get to be a certified professional coach? Well, you got to get them hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're interested in being uh, a certified professional coach through the ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation, I won't get into that, but there's a lot of steps you take mm. um, through certified programs that the ICF has accredited. You take coaching, certification classes, a lot of coaching hours. Hmm. You've got to coach yourself who coaches and mentors you. So but t- it's it's a real thing. It's a real art. It's a real profession. And I'm glad you brought this up, Ian, because there's a lot of people out here throwing the word coach around. <laughs> and you're not coaching, you're advising. There's a right. real difference between telling someone what to do and then helping them unlock the keys to understand it for themselves. Mm. So in that respect, like, do you have to have this certification to call yourself a coach? or You should. Okay. Because I didn't, I didn't know there was actual training. I thought it was oh, just yeah. kind of like you can kind of like mm-hmm. step into it. Like, you know what? I'm going I'm to be this coach. No, you're Similar not. to like if I wanted to coach basketball, oh, there's yeah, no sure. qualification, right? Like you would hope that I have experience in yeah. playing and know the game, but I don't, wouldn't have to like go to a class and get a certification mm-hmm. to coach. Well, you're not going to really become a professional coach at a high level if you don't have certifications, right? right. Basketball or whatever else. The good thing about the coaching profession is, I mean, it's been around since the early 80s, 70s, and as we continue to grow, the understanding of the profession and that there is certification attached to it mm. is um, is a more widely known fact. I will still say in the age of the entrepreneur mm-hmm. and the boom and the age of the creative, unfortunately, it is often still a term 
that's used really flippantly. Yeah. And I feel poorly for people who get hoodwinked by the uh, the, the corner coach, if you will. <laughs> Somebody who's just like, oh, I used to do that job, so now I'm going to tell people how to do it or I'll coach others. Like, there's a, it's, sure, you can coach other people, but um, you need to be trained. Yeah. You know? That's good to know. So what do you think about the Gary V's and the DJ Collins and the Tony Robbins and... Tony Robbins people is in a different world. place than like Tim DJ Collins. Yeah, like I, I think people who want to encourage people to live well are awesome. Yeah, like just generally, I think that's a really great concept. That's how I am. That's certainly, I think my greatest gift and what God posited into me. Like I'm an encourager at my core. Yeah, I think lots of people could be doing that. Yeah, just want to be thoughtful about it. Like I think there's a lot of power in pushing someone in a direction. Yeah, and doing it flippantly doing it you know off of your own ego stroke like I can make this person do this is not the right approach that's caring more about yourself than caring about the outcome and caring about the person and their livelihood that's an interesting way to put it because I just kind of look at and when you say the last part of that right like controlling somebody to do something Mm-hmm. I, I so I actually met Gary V mm-hmm. last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what do you know? Right. So, it was, so, <laughs> and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't setting that up in any sort of way. But I, one thing I said to him, uh, I watch his videos. I think the work that he's doing is great, right? And one thing I said to him, I was like, I don't want a selfie. I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not about to come over here and ask you for advice or whatever. But I did say I was like, please keep doing what you're doing. And then I followed that up in talking about, I was like, what you're doing isn't anything new under the sun. It's not mind blowing. It's not amazing. Oh, you're literally. Just... <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I was like, I, I was, I was, and I said, I, I prefaced that by saying like, no shade, no, no disrespect to what you're doing because it's a great. Because I did encourage him to keep going, and I think mm-hmm. that what he's doing is very much needed in our society because there's a lot of, in mm-hmm. my opinion, there's a lot of lazy people out here. Um, but that's just my opinion. Your cousins. But right, but um, so. You know, one of the things I said, I was just kind of like, yo, like, you're not doing anything mind-blowing or anything new. You're really just kind of, like, telling people that everything's possible. You know what I mean? And really motivating them, if that's one word you want to use, to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? So I think what he's doing, again, is my opinion, is very much needed. But it was, it's not anything, it's not anything new. Like, people just don't really, and that's what I said. I was like, people don't really have the capacity to think and believe that any and everything is possible. Yeah. And so you, and I said, I said, not everybody has that dog in them. And I was like, you have that dog in you because of what you've done and where you've gotten yourself to. Mm-hmm. Does he have some privilege? For sure. And he even says that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, my dad owned this company, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, but I've been hustling. And which is what I respect is the hustle. Yeah. So it's just interesting, like, this, this new phase of, to your point, entrepreneurship, um, of it being the age of the creative as well, you know, you can people are getting paid to just be on Instagram and take pictures, you know, and it's no Oof. shade to those people, right? Because there are some people that actually have value in whatever they're doing, but then there's other people that, you know, for for inquiries at hit this email at gmail.com, you know, and so what does that mean? What kind of inquiries, <laughs> you know? So it's just interesting that and it's good to have context and mm-hmm. it's good that you've shed light just on the experience that you have to get to where you're at and the fact that you are certain I didn't even know that there's like certain I thought oh, yeah. you could just call yourself a coach like uh-huh. I didn't know that yeah I mean to be honest I didn't know it either until I really started to um, step out on my own 
mm-hmm. and really think, okay, I want to be a coach and do research, which I think is important. I think for any entrepreneur, you got to do the work of understanding your market, understanding the expertise that already exists. Right. I think so what hinders a lot of us who are younger in the entrepreneurship game or I don't know if I would call it a hindrance, I, a stumbling block, an unfortunate reality, whatever. We don't always want to do the work of knowing who's come before us yeah. and really understanding like what what's their manifesto, like what was the real path, what did it take for that to happen. In the age of the quick flip and the, all of a sudden you got 50,000 followers and you got this much money and you got blah, blah, you know, all that foolishness, that the, the, the facade of success um, doesn't really paint the picture of the road people took to get there. And, and the road that they're still on. And that, that right there, Ian, the road that they're still on. You know who I think is really dope? You can, people can have lots of opinions about him as a person, whatever, but frankly, I really love a consistent message he shares, and that's Kevin Hart. Hmm. I love that I can check on Kevin Hart's page on Snap, on Insta, whatever, and get the same message if it's one week and then five weeks later I check in again. I'm going to catch something that day where he says, listen, I don't take for granted that I got here and I'm a big believer and you don't just get to the top and then all of a sudden you stop working. He was like, you got to work extra hard to remain here. You got to stay hungry. You got to sure. try new things. You got to like you have to keep taking risks to get better. Like and I I'm a believer in that and I'm a believer in him for saying that. And I feel like the the image and the work that he chooses to show online rep Presents the consistency of that message, whether yeah. it's with his workouts. <laughs> uh, I mean, and shit. Like, as someone who is deep in the workout game now, that's not that's not a game. Yeah. Like, choosing to wake up every day at four thirty when you're on the road, when you gotta be on set, when you gotta like get ready to speak, when you got like, I mean, I'm busy. My schedule nowhere near matches his, and the decision that he consistently has to make to keep pushing as hard. That's People don't want what they think they want. Right. That's not chump change. Everybody doesn't have that dog in them. No, no, everybody, no, no, Like no, I said, no. when I say everybody's lazy, like people don't want to put the work in, and you know, I'm just cut from a different sort of cloth. Everything I've gotten in my life, I've worked for. Yeah. So I understand everything that you just kind of mentioned, and in regards to him as well. He's hustling out right. here, and I'll be the first to say I'm a hustler, but I also know how lazy I can be. To your point, um, I examine my own resistance to progress uh, often. Like I think about, okay, why are you not sending that email yet? Why haven't you gone here? What do you, you know? I think that's something you gotta be real with yourself on. Look, what are your real limitations? And then how do you purposely set yourself up to be better? Yeah. So when I know, mm, uh, it's really likely that during this season, during this like seriously like winter, I won't maybe work out as much as I need to, or I won't be naturally as motivated. You got to put people around you who will hold you accountable to show up Absolutely. for yourself. Absolutely, I want to circle back at that. And you said something earlier about the risk taking, but I want to take a few steps backwards and actually like understand what got you into where you're at like what made you take that risk and yeah. like what what was like your background like so how did you get into coaching what made you say i want to do mm-hmm. this versus yeah going and and having and a corporate job yeah mm-hmm. so i'll even break it down more so right now i'm the founder of the on purpose movement and we are a professional development firm that's one part of it and the other part of it is uh community so the firm piece is really what churns all of our business 
I'm the chief consultant and I've got a few other partners that work with me and some admin support as well. But in my day-to-day -day experience, what we do is support individuals and organizations in purposeful work. Hmm. So that looks like three different components. There is the thought leadership that we provide. So for instance, Google uh, invited me out to give a keynote address on topics that range in my expertise. So that particular topic was around diversity and leadership. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you how I got here in a second, but that's one of the topics. Um, so we provide thought leadership that could look like panels, keynotes, speaking on podcasts, whatever. Another area of our work is around uh, the consulting piece of things. So um, leveraging our background in human capital development, we will work with organizations, some small, some large, in private and public sectors. So for instance, um, education, uh, educators for Excellence, or the Aspen Institute, or Google, or um, the Clinton Foundation. Those are some of our clients where we will do longer term consulting work with them. We could build out full scope and sequence type of work around diversity and inclusion. It could look like developing a series of trainings for new managers. It could look like reviewing their um, onboarding and their talent plan for the organization and we perfect it, we enhance it, we consult their current managers, their talent teams, things like that. So that's a piece of it. And then the other piece is coaching. Mm -hmm. So we could get brought into an organization like the Aspen Institute and take a longer term contract where we are coaching six, seven, eight of their mid-level managers, or we could do executive coaching for organizations um, that have executive directors or VPs. Or the average person that, that say, here's me speak somewhere, here's a colleague speak, and afterwards they come up to us and like, I'm going through so much transition professionally, I really wanna be in contact with a coach that can help me make the best of my life right now and help me to understand how do I move more purposefully in a direction that aligns my skill set, my passion, my interests, and the thing I'm called to do. And you know, we take on certain clients like that too. Hmm. So the thought leadership, the coaching work, and the uh, facilitation and training and development. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the work piece of it. How did I get here? So all of my, I shouldn't say all of, but a lot of my background is in three different areas. It's in the marketing piece and it's in human capital. And so those things combined help me to always tell the right story to compel people to act. Mm -hmm. So, you know, marketing is all about understanding your consumer, yeah. understanding a market, telling the right story, bringing the right things together to get people to move on something, right? Buy the product, buy this idea, etc. So my experience as a marketer with Black & Decker really started my career. Um, and at the time, I was marketing power tools, <laughs> commercial power tools at that. Right. Somebody say, not hey, glamorous. not glamorous at all. But I spent a good amount of my early years in New York at some of the places that people fancy all the time. Like I was on, I was in Ground Zero often. Hmm. Um, I would spend time at the New Yankee Stadium. Like, and this was when it didn't exist. And so I was there, only black girl who had ever had my job. Um, and I was there doing product research, like understanding what is that foreman really want out of a DeWalt power tool? Like what do mm. they want out of a Sawzall? What do they want out of these generators? All this kind of stuff. And then building together the plan to ensure that our sales team could effectively get those units moving. So doing things like that was really helpful and frankly humbling in a lot of ways. Like I came from Carolina where I'd been first black woman to be a president at the school and I just knew I was about to be hot shit like I was yes this is about to be it and then moving from that to DC realizing I 
the leadership that I thought I wanted to have in public service was not the route. Hmm. Rerouted me to business, where I realized that it's where I want to have the change, which led me to Black & Decker. I say it was always humbling because I didn't see power tools in my future at all. Yeah. You know, and I knew that wasn't, I didn't care anything about a power tool. It's great now, I can build pretty much anything. <laughs> and I could, like, there's just a whole lot I can do, a skill set. But at the core, I recognized more about what I wanted to do by going through something that I didn't enjoy mm -hmm. towards the end. Um, and I did recognize, after stepping away from it, the, like the basic skill set that I had developed through that, which I think a lot of us struggle with, with knowing how do I translate like my experience as a teacher into something else. Mm -hmm. you know, so even going through that from a, as, from a very personal perspective has helped me as a coach empathize, understand, and create a framework to help guide people through knowing how to translate previous experiences to something in the future. Yeah. So that marketing experience, I leveraged that to then figure out, okay, I know how to tell stories, I know how to manage portfolios of people, I know how to convey people to act. How do I do that for a more mission-aligned organization? Mm -hmm. Right, because like, I recognize I still want to be a part of something much greater than myself, but the thing that pulled me away from Black & Decker was like a disconnect from purpose work, a disconnect from work that felt like it was contributing to a legacy that I needed to be a part of, mm -hmm. and a legacy that frankly let me work in the first place. So that was working for an org like Teach for America, which is where I transitioned, where I started to do development. And fundraising at the core is all about understanding people and then creating the right experiences, tools, decks, whatever, to get people to think yeah, this is where I need to put my resources. I yeah. believe in this. That thing you're talking about does connect to who I am as a person. So very similar to the marketing. It wasn't a power tool. I was marketing now something I actually cared about, which was equity and education for kids who look just like me. Yeah. You know? So leveraging that was great. And then I transitioned from doing in-house development and strategy work and events and things to knowing, okay, how do I tell the right story and leverage my experience of building relationships to coaching other people to finding the right role for them. And that came into the recruitment side of things. So yeah. I did recruitment at Teach for America for staff. Um, and recruitment was, it was, man, that was one of my favorite jobs ever. <laughs> it really was. And I say it because I kicked ass in it, but I really did because I had a great manager. I was given space to learn and grow. And at the core, again, that translation of skills just kept moving. Like mm -hmm. Ian, it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like it, I just kept seeing, I'm blossoming, I'm blossoming, and I'm seeing the connection between, oh, I know how to talk to this donor. I also know how to talk to this alum of TFA who's now looking to leave the classroom but still wants to be connected to the work. How do I help them figure out what that path looks like? I mean, oh, it was just, it was a dream. Like that leadership development piece of myself got to be reactivated the connection to developing the right kind of events and engagement opportunities for people, it was so dope. So, you know, I did talent recruitment and then moved into management and that has been my sweet spot forever. So, managed a big team at TFA that thought about how do you get the right people in the right roles at the right time. Um, and all of that, ma management is so many things. It's very different from leadership though. Yeah. Like management is a real skill. And it's about how do you empower people and set people up to do the work. Like you, as a manager, you work through people. That is what it's about. Um, and so really getting clear on understanding what delegation's like, managing expectations, uh, 
setting people up with the resources they need to be successful, understanding systems of accountability mm -hmm. that get people to actually get the stuff done, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. So I continued to do that for a number of years at a high level before my last year there where, frankly, um, I was really blessed to be able to do exactly what I wanted to do. And it was like the runway to taking what was in the side hustle of the on-purpose stuff into the full-fledged, you know, business. So I was coaching, I was managing my team, I was doing leadership development, facilitated experiences around the country for TFA staff and alums, lots of speaking, and that's exactly what I do now. I just get to do it at a higher level and with a lot more people. So you were, it seems like you were like killing it, crushing it, like some people say crushing it, right? So <laughs> because- <laughs> man, Crushing it. That's probably what a lot of coaches say, right? Um, <laughs> so it seems like you're crushing it and chilling and good and had a nice salary and comfortable. Yeah, I had a great like, one. So what, like, why- <laughs> Why'd you leave? Why, yeah, why like step out on your own? Why, why take a risk? And you know what I mean? Like you were doing a side hustle. I mean, I, it, it seems like you wanted to essentially I could be totally wrong, right? But it seems like you wanted to essentially take the side hustle and the work that, and the professional work that you were doing mm -hmm. and kind of like meld them together almost. Mm -hmm. But like, why not go to another place and, and, and work for somebody else where you can kind of create your own role mm -hmm. versus saying like, I'm gonna just, all right, let me, I'm gonna just do this thing on my own. Yeah. So what made you take the actual risk? Yes. Real talk, I didn't even know I was gonna take the risk until the plan I had for myself wasn't working. And God was like, see, I was trying to tell you, but you weren't trying to listen. So if you, would you mind sharing with the plan you had for yourself? Absolutely. So when I decided to leave, so I'll back up and say, uh, I was super comfortable at Teach for America. I mean, that place was one of the, it was such a defining six years for me. And, I flourished. Those were some of the most incredible people I will ever work with in my life. I, I just, I have all the great things to say about my Teacher America experience. Um, such an incredible organization to work for during the time I was there. I mean, I remember being on a team with some black women and, and thinking and knowing, like these are my sisters for real, like the, the, we were work wives. And I remember thinking to myself like, and we still talk about it, we will never have this again. Like it was, it was like the Mecca. I mean, boss women, uh, diverse teams of perspective from like where your socioeconomic background was, the, you know, your how you identify racially or ethnic, uh, ethnically. I mean, I could just go down the list. Sexually, it was just amazing being around so many different kinds of people who did care about one central thing, who pushed each other, who didn't berate each other if things didn't go right. Like it was, it was a holy grail of a time the team that I was on. Shout out to the talent acquisition team of Teacher America from 2010 <laughs> to 2015. You know what it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, uh, when I, uh, towards, 20, actually at the top of 2014, I had a job offer from Google. Hmm. And it was a really awesome experience, like interviewing with them and reflecting on that opportunity. And ultimately it didn't end up being the right one. I turned down the offer, but what it did do, like it, 
I guess does for lots of people. When you interview, you know what it's like. You're you're on your P's and Q's, right? Yeah. Like you have to do lots of self reflection. Especially for Google. Heck that, yeah, that, oh, it's, it's really like intense. six rounds. Like, yeah, it's a I lot. did. I think I got through like two. It's a lot. And it was just maybe three, but yeah. I was like, yeah, it's hefty. It I almost kind of didn't want to do it because it was just too much. <laughs> it was too much formality for me, and I and I didn't end up getting it. But it was just like it's, this is too you much. I don't like even want to do all this. I like, hear you. I hear you. Uh, it's, that's real. That's a real thing. But even that within itself, like what what you realized through the interview experience was like that type of environment or structure wasn't going to be conducive to how Ian needed to show up, right? right? So that's that's part of what happens during interview processes. You're really introspective, and like I tell all candidates, you better be interviewing that company the same way they're interviewing you. It's not just about like do they want you? Do you want them? Right. Shoot, you got to show up every day and do the work. Like, is it going to bring out the best in you, or is it crushing you? Right. You know, so during all that, uh, I realized, yeah, I could do this and everything, but a lot of questions I was asking myself that they were asking me or that they weren't asking me, but I was starting to ask myself, I realized I was crafting and saying exactly what I wanted to be true. And there wasn't one particular company that was going to be able to give that to me in the mm. way that I wanted. Because some of the things that I wanted were things that you don't necessarily get right off the bat at a company. Yeah. Stuff like, I wanted, I knew I wanted to feel completely at ease every day. Like, I, I essentially wanted the same thing that I was getting at Future America, but I wanted to be in a new environment. I knew I needed to be challenged. I wanted the scope of my work to shift some. I wanted to work with lots of different brands and people, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and so part of what I was realizing was like, ooh, okay, hmm, probably gonna be tough to find this one. And in the midst of me interviewing and exploring different companies, I needed to still make money. And so the consulting practice, everything I was doing on the side, I just had more time for it, so it continued to expand. And next thing you know, I'm writing a chapter in this book on leadership, on like how to lead on purpose. Next thing you know, that led to lots of clarity for myself around like, <laughs> and listening, frankly, where God was saying, I've put something in you, mm -hmm. stop running. So this is you were already gone from Teach for America. Yeah, I left. Yeah, and I, your plan, like in leaving, your plan was to in leaving. My plan was to explore new opportunities. So do, just kind of just like float, be a free agent until you find something yeah. that was right. And I had to be honest, I had side hustle gigs that were pretty substantial. This, so I I wasn't freaking out about money, which I think is a you got to note that like if people are listening and thinking like, oh, I want to just step out on my own, whatever. Real talk, you you've got to assess where you are financially and you need to assess what your personal priorities are, personal and professional, and decide what's at stake and number that stuff down. I mean, I don't think I would have left had I been in a financial bind hmm. or if I had felt financially responsible to someone else. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't have loans. I didn't have a lot, I don't have debt like that. So I knew I was in a position where I could take some strategic risks hmm. and not suffer. Hmm. And I was also at a place in my career and age, frankly, where I knew how much, I thought, okay, how much risk can I associate with this decision? How, like, what kind of flexibility am I gonna give myself here, you know? Yeah, how, like I talk about, because a lot of my professional work that I started out in career-wise was rooted in advertising and marketing. Right. Now I was a create. I was on the creative side in the creative department as a producer, um, but in looking at that work, I was essentially facilitating the production process and 
the vendors that we worked with, making sure they're able to, you know, get our mission and our goals across creatively, yeah. what my creative director is, right, our right, director right. and all that stuff wanted to do. Um, but then also at the same time, we have to meet in these, in the communication, in the copy, whether it's mm -hmm. a print, whether it's a TV commercial, whether it's a digital thing, you know, you have to meet whatever they're trying to sell. So that's where the marketing came in. And I had some great experiences and I was able to kind of realize when I shifted to another agency, which is like a dream job, I was looking at the clients that we were working with and me being a creative, right? And helping to facilitate the process and just different ideas I would have in addition mm -hmm. to what the creative director, art director, copywriter would have. And my thinking was like, why doesn't the client just do this? And a lot of the clients are people that have their MBAs, mm -hmm. went to B school, or whatever, and in the marketing, world a lot of that time a lot of that stuff is revolves around numbers mm -hmm. so for me i was always like well why don't they just take a risk right so i, I had the opportunity to work on nike or jordan Nike, actually both um and i was looking at and i didn't really make this comparison while i was there but i just used this as a metaphor and saying like why okay adidas is doing this so why doesn't nike do this you know what i mean or why doesn't mm -hmm. jordan do this um and in that I think that I believe that you have to take a risk in order to grow, mm -hmm. right? And so now, looking at how a lot of marketing people think, and that's one of the things that I also shared with Gary Vee last night, um, I kind of got it. Risk versus reward is a new ROI. Everything can't be measured all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to take a risk to, to see. Especially something that doesn't exist yet. Exactly, exactly. So as far as you taking the risk, like it seemed like it was kind of calculated, yeah, you I believe about like financial. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're not like a you, you're not just completely gonna jump out the plane. Not unless God's like do it. I mean, yeah, I I know me. I'm not that kind of person. I am when it comes to things that are less valuable to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I'll try all kind of crazy sports stuff or whatever, as long as I don't think I'm gonna actually get hurt. But you know, with my career or things that deal with that could produce difficulties like from a standpoint of longevity, I think I am a strategic risk taker. Hmm. So know? how would have been the rewards from the risks that you've taken? Oh my gosh, I mean. Like what's been the ROI for you? Uh, so I'll give two examples that actually connect, right? And my dad reminded me of this. He He's the one who's always been like, you are very strategic in your risk taking, how you show up for certain things. So even my decision to, every time I've run for, any kind of office in school. It's like I knew before I was even gonna put my hat in the ring, the likelihood of my winning, you know? Like I'm not trying to get out there and lose. Mm -hmm. I know it could be difficult, but I would always be very calculated in who do I have relationships with? How do people respect my voice? What kind of influence do I have? And, and, and without always knowing those right terms or those phrases, I certainly was always calculated in that way when I was younger, mm -hmm. weird, but true. It's like, so it's such a thing I knew. Um, and so my decision to run for office at Chapel Hill was a very thoughtful one because it was gonna take so much time, it was a big role, I knew the kind of history I would set. And even everything down from, you know, one of my best friends, Becca, shout out to all the Beccas in the world, right? <laughs> uh, my best friend, Becca, hey Becca, who uh, was my running mate, who 
we just had the best relationship since forever. Like our strategic partnership in that was thoughtful on both of our ends. How we different we represented different worlds, but yet the collision of them, white girl, black woman, etc. Um, the it knowing like that taking that risk to run mm -hmm. and going up against another pair that was similar to us and another pair that wasn't, but like we could have lost. But the choice to take that step led to ultimately the victory in that moment of winning and then leading and going through all the things that we did in our administration, starting new stuff, everything. I still refer back to that moment so often because Ian, that was a time when I understood who I was. Mm. Like that was a very defining period of time when I got the power of Jovian. Mm. Like for real, it was, it, I, I remember just starting to see how I was perceived by other people, good, bad, indifferent, um, what I wanted to, like how I wanted to show up in the world, what kind of legacy I wanted to leave, how important it was to be a leader of, of consequence. Like those were things that, that started to matter and I, it made sense then. So that reward, immeasurable. Yeah. Like I still talk about it now because that gave me confidence that, that to then 15, you know, 18 years later, leap out from a career that was very comfortable and trust that my voice mattered enough hmm. to trust that you were smart enough to bring people together to build something like the first ever International Day of Purpose. Hmm. You know, like I could harken back to times when I had done things inaugurally before because I took a risk then. So I'm certainly, I'm about strategic risk taking, but I'm also about sometimes you gotta, you have to put yourselves in uncomfortable positions to understand your bandwidth. You, you do not know what you're capable of unless you stretch yourself. Yeah. And, your, and, and the thing I would also note to all of us is like our bodies are great representations of that. Like we, if we don't stretch, there's no way you're just gonna end up doing a split. Right. Like you, you have to keep pushing yourself there. Next thing you know, your ass is on the ground. That's a good analogy. It's just, what? you gotta work at that every day. So I guess, and I, I'd, be, I'd be messed up to assume the level of challenge with strategic or calculated risks, but within you being in this space of being a free agent, having right. some other sort of side hustles, and then you know, saying, all right, I'm gonna do this fully now, instead of going to work for somebody. Like, what are the challenges that you face in that period? Like, how long was that period, number one? But then, mm -hmm. number two, like, what are some of the challenges? Like, were they enormous challenges, or was it more oh, like yeah. mind fucks, where it's just like, ah. Uh, yeah both like as an entrepreneur you know this i mean entrepreneurship is real yeah like it's real on on every freaking level it's just it's a lot i mean there are day-to-day -day challenges of figuring out how do you create personal systems rituals and mechanisms of support that keep you sustained and energized to show up every day hmm. so that's like you said that hour in the morning for praying and meditation like me, right? Like now I do not, do not check any email, go to any grams, look at anything until I've listened to my Abide app. It's not like the day has to start with prayer and then I may open something else, but I'm, but now like when, I'm, when I am actually my best, I don't look at any of that, get right up, go straight into my prayer corner. You know what I'm saying? Do my Jesus calling, have my journal time. That's a ritual that I've had to re-energize even more so now that as the entrepreneur, the face of my brand, 
the, like the most precious capital was me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm worn down, if I'm tired, if I'm sick, if I'm like mentally not in it, then there's stuff that's just not going to get done. Yeah. And if it is, it won't be up to par. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I that's a part of the the, the challenge. Like it's just you, there's a different type of personal investment that I think as an entrepreneur, we we're not always real enough to talk about what's necessary, but that's that's real. Like that's a real choice. It's purposeful decisions that you have to make because if you don't, there will be real consequences on the back end. Mm-hmm. And you may see them more quickly or they may come down the line, but they're there. So I think it's challenges like that. It's challenges like how do you, you know, tactically break into a market, build your marketing plan, stay consistent with developing content and delivering it. Like all that kind of stuff is real. It's not something that I always enjoy doing. Uh, and that's something I didn't know until it was just it was something I had to do. And then I was like, oh, huh. I don't really feel like posting this. I don't really feel like, you know, like people always say, you got Jovi gems for days. And I'm like, I know I do, but I actually just live them and give them. And I don't like thinking about all the time when I'm like, let me craft this quote with this picture next to, and so it can equate, to, like, that's just, I don't like manufacturing moments of inspiration. Right. right. I like to just, to let it be. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Because th- there's people that I know and I, I don't want to sound like I'm throwing any shade, but it, like it humors me, right? Like social media is funny to me because I just, it's not real life to me, right? Like I do think that there are real life elements within social media. Yeah, I'm about to say, right? But like are. for me, it's kind of like, it's kind of like where I went to school at. Like it's a, it's a bubble. Like it's not real life. Like people can get caught up in it. And, and you know, there's a, a differentiation to me uh, between what real life is. So I'll see like, like let's say somebody's like standing down there or you know at the top of of this building or at the corner of this beautiful building that we're in and somebody just happened to get a great shot of them and then they'll like put like standing in the wind and like so what do you think about stuff like that you know what i mean like you know i was like won't let the storm get me down because it's an overcast day to like you know what i mean <laughs> you know do you think that those are authentic things or is just kind of like a creative you remember way at my, to- do you remember at my lead on purpose event somebody asked this question, it may have even been you, somebody was asking a question around, how do you, yeah, it actually was you, you were asking a question like, how do you not get caught up in uh, something about like not being further along or presenting something that's not real or this, this, the whole thing about facades and stuff. And I, um, oh, there was another question about like not getting caught up in social media period. I have to be real and thoughtful about everything I put out there through this lens. I always think, what is the purpose of this post? That's just the question I always ask myself. True. And if I am honest and I am okay with the honest answer, then I put it out there. If the honest answer makes me cringe, then it's not going up. Mm-hmm. Like if the honest answer is like, oh, I feel like getting an ego stroke right now. And, and then there's another side of me that quickly is like, ego sit down like God's reminding me that ego stands for edging God out and then I got to be like all right then I'm not posting it if if I think about posting something a real moment and you know the thoughts that are coming out happen to be really flowy and like you know the perfect lyric over the right beat then cool (laughs) and if it really inspires people great and it's probably no surprise because it I tend to think about it like, all right, that was a purposeful thing that you did. You did want to encourage somebody in that moment. You did want to tell the truth about what was really hard for you or what was right for you and go for it, you know? I 
here's the other thing too I've had to realize like and George always says that he always says even if you weren't watching I'd be doing this anyway yeah 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 I think those are the things that you share that, that statement is so powerful it's so powerful like even if you weren't watching like even if you and he's been saying this way before social became like the thing it is so like even if y'all weren't looking at the videos George would certainly be still rapping he would certainly be writing screenplays he would certainly still be doing scripts he would certainly be like taking crazy pictures of himself outside of cabs like all those things are real to your like the things that are real to your human experience I think are cool to share Right. Because I think that actually lends to the natural connection we have and is the whole point, I think, of these platforms. But when we want to filter the truth and distill it, like distill the truth, like distill it away into this this fake life, we just are doing so much damage to each other. And I, I'm just not a proponent of that at all. I think that's whack, it's weak. It's like there's nothing on purpose about that. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just silly. Like... I don't know. There are a few people in my mind right now. I'm not going to call you out. You lucky. Because <laughs> um, that would be shady on my part. But I do. Th- I think there's a lot of people who get caught up in, um, you know, that whole, oh, I'm standing on the precipice of life. And I'm about to write this quote that I jacked from someone else and not give them any credit. And like, shit like that, I just think is weak. Because yeah. it's, 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 it's too much. It's too much. Uh, attempted ego stroking from insecure places it's so backwards yeah i mean social media is interesting we're in an interesting time where like i do little experiments a lot where i'll make a post of something meaningful and i think maybe i think it it is ego right and it is a little bit of narcissism but then Mm -hmm. also i think our society is in a place now as well where it, like imagery is very visuals and imagery is like yeah and, and that ties into creativity is like very key right yeah, it so is. like i'll post something about humanity or you know another project and endeavor that i started and that like doesn't get any engagement or any likes but then i post a picture like i'm in tokyo or whatever you know like that somebody else took and like that visually is a great image right but or i'll post like me mm-hmm. doing something and it's you know, a lot of times I try to get like, I'll post, cause I use my, my platforms for work purposes, mm-hmm. not anything personal for the mm-hmm. most part. Here and there I'll like sprinkle a personal touch into it just to kind of show like, oh, this There's is what human. I'm going through. Yeah, yeah cause yeah, I, yeah. for me it's about storytelling, right? And, yeah. and telling a story about, and a common thread of what I worked on. And mm-hmm. you, you look at my posts, like there's that, that commonality in all of them, like who I worked with, what we did, what they were looking for, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. You know, but then here and there it's like, it's interesting how psychologically people want to see you talk about yourself. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of, you know what I mean? And, I definitely and, do. It's real. Right. Yeah. So it's like, well, I don't, I, I really don't want to post this picture of myself like doing this, but it's like, you know, like it show, it show, like if I'm here, if I'm in Tokyo doing whatever, it kind of shows that maybe that psychologically tells somebody that I have a network, um, you yeah. know, and a net worth outside yeah. of the United States. So it's this interesting game. You know what I mean? That it you, is. Yeah, I'm not even going to pretend to think I've cracked it at all. Um, it's funny, George and I were talking about this the other day. I, I, <laughs> socials are, it's a very scary place. Yeah. Very scary. Don't go to that explore page. Like, you're going to, it's, it's a black scary. hole. Like, you're not scary. getting out. Nah, dude, it's very scary. And I think about, kids now I, I can't you ain't gonna have me in school with social media like I couldn't even imagine and it's like 
brought up well as I was and taken care of and everything, I just still can't imagine being in middle school, high school, having access to all these things that challenge you, challenge who you are, make you feel insecure, like question your existence. All this, and like the, it's just, it's insane. It's really insane. And I do think adults, like why so many people haven't grown is because we're still engaging in tools like this or not even, I shouldn't say still, but we kind of have to now, to some extent, engage in tools like this that at the core draw us back to behavior that we should have learned from. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a lot of interactions on social media are real elementary. Yeah. You know, even the concept is just like, do you like me, yes or no? We were sending those notes when we were kids. Right, that validation is That validation, crazy. yeah. And, and, and what it speaks to is actually, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like we actually do need the attachment and awareness from other human beings. It's a, it's a part of how we exist and it's necessary to our survival. But it's also, I don't think that that part of us was built to be exploited in the way that we do it now because it's almost like we we need that more than we need anything else um which is why you got people oh girl i don't know if you read a story about this other day but some girl fell off a bridge yeah. trying to take a damn yeah, selfie. selfie yeah i saw that in Cal what? california yes yeah, yeah, it was kind of, I saw like it. the tallest bridge i was like you can't be real like but that's also and she was trespassing she broke the law trying to get what she thought was a dope pick and that dope pick was the, was her demise. But it's the same thing, and she, I'll call myself out, like when I have been too engrossed in my phone, scrolling, walking at the same time, have tripped, have fallen downstairs, have like forgotten where, like, oh, missed that train stop, you know what I mean? Like, we just, it's, it's, it's a scary place to be. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's interesting, cause like, again, the whole the whole notion of self um, is just interesting, like I, I only on certain in certain parts of my story as far as like instagram stories or snapchat i'll i'll go like this but i just think it's like to me it's weird that you're walking down a street yeah, going like that this. I like when it. i do, yeah when i do this there's a purpose to it right mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. that's and that's normally like if i'm sending somebody a video message and i want them to see my face you know what i mean but i still feel weird yeah if i'm just snapchatting or instagramming walking down the street talking like you know it just, it's, just it is. it's weird to me i know because it's like you're almost it seems like you're talking to yourself, even though you're posting it for engagement with other people. It's just because you're just missing weird. the people that are around you. Right. It's yeah. It's a weird thing, which is why. And you know, most people still feel that way, which is why a lot of people secretly still try to snap or you know the slick snaps or the slick posts. It's like I don't want people to see me posting, but it's like that person's probably following you. You don't even know them. They're everyone's. I don't know. It's it's this weird mind fuck. I think is still. Like, we don't want people to see we're using social media, but yet we're on it all the time. Yeah. I don't know. We're, we're, when Facebook came out, were you still in college or you were gone by then? I was graduating. Okay, so yeah, I was still in college. Like, I remember. It's just, it's just crazy where we've gotten to now. Yeah. Because Facebook was just fun. It was limited to certain schools. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? You I had remember, to have an EDU. Yeah. Or you, you had to have the a college address, yep. email address. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember going home for, I think it was... Thanksgiving or Christmas break and my buddy at the University of Arizona had so it's Facebook and MySpace he actually put me on to my he put me on to both and he was like yeah it's for college like just sign up so then I went to try to go sign up and my school didn't have it yet and yeah. it had a list of and I was school. tight because Howard had it and that's my rival school I'm like how does Howard why would we right. all have it right you know and, and then he was like well just get on MySpace it's the same thing and Facebook at the time was just a way as it grew to 
strictly being used for universities, it then became a way to like be abreast of what's happening on campus in a way, right? But then the other part of it was was more of like if you're graduated and you're an alumnus of stay connected, whatever, yeah, stay right. connected with your community, and then they open up the floodgates. So it's just like interesting what it's evolved <laughs> to now, <laughs> and like what actually is its actual purpose, right? Yeah. Like if we look at that as kind of like a common sort of thread and, mm -hmm. and a commonality, especially with the work you're doing. Is like what's the purpose of this? What is the purpose? I tell you, I, I literally ask myself that question all the time. At our company, the major question we ask ourselves generally is what would happen if everyone in the world was instead of living on accident living on purpose hmm. like how many different decisions would you make a day mm -hmm. who would you be in community with who would you stop talking to what relationships would end romantically which ones would you go after what would you eat what would you not like your habits practice everything like if you think about it through the lens of intention and with the intention of serving the purpose that you were uniquely made to serve, it just makes you check a whole lot of stuff. A whole lot of stuff. So is that what being on purpose, because I, I did want to ask that, is that yeah, what being on purpose is? Like what, yeah. what is, and not to, not from like a marketing team, like, oh, you need to join, like no, really, no. because I the think that. The definition, how we define it. So yesterday I was, I was, I, I was talking to somebody and mm -hmm. actually the, the, another episode, uh, the person I was talking to, Jesse Israel, I talk about goal setting a lot mm -hmm. as far as like creatively getting to what you, where you want to do, right? So a lot of mm -hmm. the consulting work that I do one-on-one -on -one with artists or creatives, that's one thing I generally start with is mm -hmm. understanding whatever their goals are Got it. Um, and figuring out a way that I can help them get there. So I did ask him the question about like with how he's gotten to where he's at, how important has goal setting been and what he and if he does that. And he said that he actually doesn't do it. But just in the dialogue, we got to understanding him taking and him being intentional about the things that he does because he doesn't set goals because he feels like he wanted to kind of let creativity take its place and let creativity That's happen but real. he was intentional in the things that he did to so make him that, yeah so him so him writing so he wrote down intentions versus goals so in our dialogue I was just like so maybe that's another way that maybe that's actually another form of goal setting versus like because I, I look at goals as something that you, you set a contract with yourself, you're holding yourself accountable now. Once you start to write things down, and I talk about that in the episode, mm -hmm. once you start to write things down, it, you're creating a vibration and you're sending that vibration out into the universe mm -hmm. and the universe is gonna transpire to make that, or conspire to whatever the word is, to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes when you put a date on that, it's just kinda like, all right, cool. And, and there's ways to do it, you know? Yeah. yeah, you can say, yes, if you're working out, um, I wanna be able to I want to be able to get into this dress, right? And so <laughs> back in my former life, I was a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, you didn't know this. I did. The name of my company was Training with a Purpose. Hey, now. I was doing it in school. Right. And a lot of times, like in, a, in HBCU community, there's like cabarets and all these parties. And a lot of times people were like, oh, man, I got to get into this dress, this bathing suit, my spring break or whatever. When for me, it was like, you know, I have, I'm an athlete. I was training and the way I was training and, and just things I understood. You want to you don't want to just get into that dress. You want to actually adopt a healthy lifestyle and making that a habit. Yep. And so that was like my tagline. It was like training with a purpose. I didn't get incorporated or anything. But that's just what I called my business. Yeah. You know, training with a purpose. You know, making a healthy lifestyle a habit versus just like I don't want to get thing. in this dress. Yeah. So so with that, like I think goal setting is important, and then intention, as what Jesse was saying, like is right. we, we we came to a new place of like stretching and challenging mm -hmm. ourselves to what we believe mm -hmm. it is so when you talk about like being on purpose is 
is everything for you like are you goal setting and the things that you do is everything for you on purpose have you slipped and fell and not yeah you know what i mean like talk a little bit more again it's not to just tell me what the on purpose movement is but like how that really yeah yeah i mean the on purpose movement came out of my own real experiences like the phrase live on purpose drove me sustained me helped me when i was in a really dark place this is prior to you know glory days of teacher america but when i felt disconnected from who i was when i felt disconnected from like habits that were helpful to me um routines people i i started to to think about well who am i why am i what does this mean you know what can i do every day to to do that like do the thing that makes me feel better Mm -hmm. really it was just like feel better and then it came to feel alive feel connected feel you know I would insert other words, but all of that essentially came down to me trying to discover how do I feel more in tune with who Jovian is meant to be. Hmm. And I am a deep believer that there is a unique call that each of us have. Like, I just don't believe that God just randomly was like, hey girl, there you go, you on <laughs> earth. Okay, Ian, great. Here are some experiences you'll have. Like, it, it's just, I don't believe in his uh, happenstance nature there at all. I think he's God as a being, I, I just believe in the intentionality through which he loves us. And so there, I th- believe great care in our creation. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of decisions that we can make, absolutely, to get us closer to living out that purpose he placed in all of us. And I also think there are consequences for every action though. So the phrase again, live on purpose, for me became a call to action, a gut check, a reminder, an inspiring phrase, like it, it played lots of different roles. If I look back at some of my posts, even on socials back in like 2011, 2010, I was tagging self live on purpose then. That's when I was going away from the Black and Decker space, music industry space, and the Teach for America. And I was calling myself out on show up like you mean it. Like Jovian, show up like you're supposed to be here. Show up trying to be better. Like it was all about being the best Jovian on purpose. Like I'm meaningfully doing this. And so now at the company, you know, the question again, I, like I said, we ask all the time is like, what would happen if everybody was, you know, being more intentional about being on purpose? It's three different things that, you know, define that on purpose lifestyle. It's the one, the piece of constantly exploring what one's own purpose is, like that consistent, intentional exploration. It's two, then after there's discovery in that, it's the daily decisions that you make that get you closer to living that out. So it's the the little thing of like, what do you post? Who do you call? What do you eat? What do you not? So all of that. So you asking that question of, have I fallen? Hell yeah. Mm. Like there are some days that I know what I put into my body in terms of food is not <laughs> helping me to be on purpose. Right. It's actually, it was a purposeful decision to be living away from my purpose. Right. Which I would just call is like a bad decision. You know, like, girl, you don't need to have them fries and that shake and this and this and this, knowing that you're susceptible to prediabetes. That's a Mm. bad decision Mm -hmm. because I know when I don't feel well with my body, I can't get up and do the thing I'm called to do, which is speak and inspire. How can I do that if I'm feeling shaky, if my blood sugar is spiked and I feel like I want to pass out the first 10 minutes into the speech? Is that on purpose or is it off purpose? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, So it's that component that that daily decision making uh and then the the last piece of it really is just the consistency to keep returning to one's purpose Hmm. 
what do you think your purpose is here? Oh, to encourage people to be their best selves. Hmm. Is that your passion too? Is your purpose aligned with your passion or are it they? It does. It does. And but here's what I would say. My my how I've chosen to serve my purpose is through living out areas of passion for me. Hmm. So I love to speak in front of people. That's a passion. Um, I love to uh, coach people, passion. Mm -hmm. My purpose is to encourage people to be their best selves, so I've aligned those things. Hmm. I could be, like, let's say uh, someone's passion, someone could be, have the same type of purpose I have to encourage people to be their best, but their passion isn't to coach or to speak, it could be to work out. So mm -hmm. maybe them encouraging people, like some of my friends who are trainers, is through the personal training or through um, creating playlists for people to work out with or you know any of those other things creating meal plans stuff like that yeah 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 I, I, I want to I, I had a couple more questions because I want to get you out of here and, and also just for the sake of time with you know everybody listening so what I want to circle back to something you said earlier mm -hmm. you talked we talked about social media and then we yeah. all, you also talked about having people in your life to hold you accountable so just as part of the creative process and and what you're building, what you've built, how big has, and I talk about this as well, like this is a common thing. I think I almost talk about it in every episode of everybody I talk to. <laughs> how big has like community and collaboration contributed or how much of a factor is that it's everything. A, as a part of like when you're creating something and when you're doing the things that you wanna do and, and, and to your point, right, living on purpose, like how important is that to have people in the community Everything. that can support you and then also have uh, right. maybe it's those same people or other people that you can lean on. collaborate with. Yeah, yeah lean on yeah. and collaborate with. It's so key. I say this all the time. You can't be your best self by yourself. Hmm. You can't. And that's really where the movement piece of On Purpose came in. It's like, if I want to move to serve my purpose, I need other people along with me. Right. You know, so we could be a force together. So. You know, I mean, <laughs> this iteration of Jovian that sits in front of you right now is here because of the scroll of names that literally could just take up this entire room mm -hmm. who have helped me and supported me. Everyone from Holly Jackson, who was my NBA prep coach, to Reverend Nathaniel Irvin, my grandfather, who told my father it would be okay for him to be the first black boy to integrate schools in North Augusta to my father who made the decision to show up that day when he was only 14 years old and nobody else showed up and he was the only black boy in that school and no one talked to him for an entire year hmm. to my mom who with her cohort of women integrated Winthrop College to my fiance now George who stays up with me plans out ideas who holds me accountable to my personal trainer Robert Brace who helped me to transform my body and my mind to I mean you this is off dome thinking of people but if I really had to be intentional and write down all the names I would cry the entire time and I would be exhausted <laughs> you know like to you like helping me to think about the people that support me uh, you given a platform for me to express thoughts to hopefully encourage and inspire other people we just we can't do this thing by ourselves yeah and the one thing and I always talk <laughs> I say this analogy so often in a lot of my speeches but um, I think about like our purpose as like our light you know that we should be shining and my flame is different from yours but still a light mm -hmm. it's unique if we both were to light our flames in here the way mine flickers will be different from yours mm -hmm. but my decision to to light mine could very well ignite yours. Mm. Like once I'm lit, I literally can light you. 
a candle can't do that work unless it's been lit. Yeah. You know? And once it's lit, then we can combine and make a much larger flame. We could change the aroma of a room. We could light a path that's been dark before. You know, we can light a hundred other people, but until we're lit, we can't. And I think so often we think that, oh, either I'm going to hide my flame because I'm afraid it's not as big as somebody else's or it's not worth it or it won't do much. But we have to know that we got to get lit and then know that that light is meant to inspire other people to do the same. Like, I can't exist on my own hiding it. Like, I need the oxygen of other people breathing into me to let my flame continue. Right. Or else it will go out, you know? Right, right. Not like lit, lit. Like, oh, it's lit. But oh, like. but I mean, it is lit. It's lit on purpose. <laughs> it's all, it's definitely, like, I'm definitely lit on purpose. Like, that's for sure. And I stay lit because of other people. Hmm. Okay. Okay. What, with, with those, with that community of people and those collaborators that you have yeah. that are helping you, are are they your source of inspiration? What's your source of inspiration? Would you say to totally. help you create? Right, you created this on purpose movement, and yeah. I've, I and I don't know if it's come from you, but and and um, I know we definitely have like a large overlap of uh, just people that we know, but then there's people that I would assume that you probably don't know um, around the time that you were doing it, and I just, like I saw this, like I started to see this like on purpose thing. And, and definitely some of it is definitely correlated to you about, of circles that I know overlap. And then there mm -hmm. were just people I was like, she probably doesn't know her or him. Mm -hmm. So w what has like inspired you to create this, this movement? Yeah, I mean, my own life experiences, certainly. And again, for me, remember, this isn't, a, it's a ministry. Like for me, God, God put this in me. Mm -hmm. That, that was it, like, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not trying to pretend to nobody else that, oh, this was me sitting up in my room like Brandy, and it hit me. <laughs> nope, not even a little bit. Um, it was me going through dark times, using the phrase live on purpose to inspire me to be better, getting notes from friends and other people being like, oh my goodness, that really helped me too, or what you just posted inspired me, please keep going. Those kind of things, those people who are real with me remind me to be real with myself and to not be afraid to be real about what's going on, the ups, the downs, and to share that. I think that is a part of why we go through things. You know, people say everything happens for a reason. And I believe that, I do. And I do believe though that the reason is so we can encourage somebody else through it. Hmm. Hmm. Like I, I don't believe in solo experiences don't believe I'm the only person who's ever been heartbroken, who's ever lost a job, who's ever broken an ankle, who's ever, you know, like we are humans and there's millions of us for a reason. So if I can frankly just be honest enough about what I'm going through, it's very likely it will encourage somebody else who's about to go through it, who's currently in it or who went through it before and they will think I'm not alone. Hmm. I think that's a part of it. We gotta be honest about our shit so we can support each other through it. Hmm. Um, so those people who pushed me by just acknowledging my own pain and acknowledging what I was going through, they inspire me. My inner circle inspires me a lot because like, those are the people that put up with Jovian in every way, shape, or form. So again, my fiance, my parents, my brother, my sister, my, my line sisters, you know, my friends, like they keep me going. I'm also, I'm inspired by other people I don't know personally but like our virtual mentors because I really believe in that um, 
So shout out to Massey. I think her last name's Arius. She's online. She's a crazy fitness woman. She's not. Mm-hmm. Let me not use the word term crazy. I say crazy meaning like extreme um, through some of the moves she does. But every caption is, I feel like, real and laced with so much inspiration of meeting people where they are. And I love her for that. Um, yeah, other friends, you know. Hmm. Okay. And they contribute to your creative process as well. Heck yeah. Like my own purpose team. I mean, Nyla, Nicole, shout out to y'all. Shout out to Duanisha, who's our new um, director of um, community partnerships for the International Day of Purpose. Shout out to Callan. Shout out to Julie, who's the creative director for All Things on Purpose. Shout out to George, who his company listened to me, helped put together all commercials. Shout out to Wonderland Records, who early collaborator for Day of Purpose. I mean, yeah, like I, those people really like they are the inspiration and also not just from on some whole like you got this girl but literally will <laughs> mind meld with you you know what i'm saying who will set time apart to thought partner to brainstorm and to help you come up with concepts and ideas shout out to naima cochran shout out to tiffany dufu i mean <sighs> you know i mean we, we ain't getting no awards so you don't yeah, y'all are. <laughs> I'm Shout out to the team. <laughs> I can go down the list. I, just, I mean, I wanted to say these people's names. Hopefully, you don't cut this out, Ian. No, I won't. But because, I mean, that's just off dome. There's so many more, so don't get upset if I didn't say your name. But um, I'm just thinking about people who have sat down with me at a table, mm-hmm. even recently, and re-inspired me to get ready for the next day of purpose, you know? Hmm. Okay. Last two questions. What do you currently think? Right. So you're you're in this <laughs> you're in this encouragement ministry. You're in this I purposeful am. ministry yes, that Lord. you call it creatively, right? But then we talked about at the beginning, like the element of like with with the professional work mm-hmm. tied into coaching and you being a certified coach. So what do you wh- what's your what are your thoughts on the current state of creativity? In, say, don't say the in, the world. In, no, 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 the current state the current state of creativity in being on purpose right but then also like you being a certified coach like what is your your thoughts on the current state of creativity in and those things like melding if you meld those together or if you keep them kind of separate what do you what do you think about the current state of creativity? quickly i can say i think this current state of creativity is at risk because we are becoming less and less gracious every single day as coaches or as people on purpose people period people who are trying to live out their purpose we're gonna make mistakes I could put together an event and unknowingly have a statement that offends someone. Hmm. We are so quick to pounce, so quick to disrupt, destroy, that we don't give people space to make mistakes right now. Like I think a lot of our creative space lives in breeze online, on the internet in some way, shape or form, or in a pitch meeting or whatever. And people are afraid, I think, to come at some things with the boldness of ideas because they know what will happen if they take a wrong step. Hmm. Like I just, I wonder, and I'm not saying what Pepsi's recent ad with Kendall Jenner and you know, it was a mess for lots of different reasons. It was completely tone deaf, unaware, whatever. And it probably also represented their lack of diversity at key decision make, you know, within the key decision making roles within their org on that creative team or arm. That, that feels very obvious. Um, however, I wonder what we're really taking from this and what will other brands take from it? Like, will they take the fact that like, ooh, okay, how did Pepsi get here? Like, what steps did they take to make that decision? Um, And how do we learn from it? Versus are they taking the lesson of like, 
okay, we just won't, we won't try for anything that speaks to equity at all or like peace because we're gonna offend too many people. Hmm. I'd prefer them not take that lesson and instead take the lesson of, okay, we should still try to do things that promote ideals that are valuable to all humanity, knowing that there is a sensitivity and there's a cost to it, but let's just try to bring as many of the right people around the table to make the decision. But we're so quick as a people to snap and hide behind our 140 characters <laughs> that we are we are removing grace from the conversation. And I think in order to be creative, you gotta be able to be flexible to see what works, what doesn't, and just to put things out there that sometimes are a little unfiltered and not refined. And we're not giving each other space to do that right now. Well, I don't think we're giving each other space to do that because of the, and I have this conversation as well mm -hmm. a lot recently but just, am I wrong though? No, I, I mean it's not about right or wrong. That's your point of view, and I love to to get yeah. that and get your understanding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying I disagree. Whether I agree or not, agree or disagree, doesn't matter. Yeah, not a you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, cool, it's more whatever. about it's more about like if I and if I do disagree, it's more about having an understanding to give you that respect for your point of view versus yeah, yeah, yeah. crucifying you for your point of view if it's different from mine. Like if you and like that's red, that's the whole point I'm I talking like about. But exactly. I think I think that we're not giving each other that space because of. We're in a, I think, more than ever, there's so many double standards going on, but then it's yeah. also like we're in a heightened time of sensitivity and not just as far as equality is concerned, but just in general. So it's like, okay, yeah, you, you gave gave the, 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 the metaphor or, or the description of the Pepsi spot of being tone deaf, right? But then like, I, I, I make this example and you know, I hope anybody that's listening doesn't take this out of context. I was in um, I was in a situation with Mikel, who you know and work with, I'm sure. We were at this thing that a colleague of mine put together. And I didn't say this, but this is what, I said this to somebody when we had a break. And so it was a bunch of people of color um, from, from our diaspora and uh, the black diaspora. And a lot of the conversation revolved around our president. And some of it was it was policy, other things were just kind of addressing like the current state of the time that we're in in America. And the one thing I thought about during that time and a lot of the comments that people had in regards to the current president, I just, in my mind, I was like, right now, some of these people are saying these things, like is there a sense of openness in their mind to potentially understand that somebody in this room could have voted for mm -hmm. our current president. You know, and they made, and I'm not saying that they did, but it seemed like there was an assumption because- yeah, of where we come from. Because of where like, we come from of and because of just How some of our you? cultural never, right? commonalities. Yeah. But it's just like, they weren't, and, and right, we talk about sensitivity, they weren't sensitive to the fact that they could have been offending somebody. Right. Right, and so, and the way I think and the way I process things and just the way I approach things is I always do my best to th be objective as possible. I play devil's advocate a lot. You do. Um, you know, just, and I do that to, and just on a personal level so that people can think differently. Because a lot of times I, I believe that there's narrow thinking and the narrow thinking comes from our, is based off of our experiences. Of course. You know what I mean? So those are our frame of references and I also talk about empathy at times because me being objective, I believe, is another form of my empathy. I might not always be empathetic and like, oh my gosh, I understand where you're coming from. And that's more sympathy, but being empathetic in 
playing the other side of the coin understand right an experience that you may have had that i didn't have right so i think that that's like my form of it you know what i'm saying but I, I, to your point of sense i just think we're in a time of like heightened sensitivity where a lot of things are considered or things aren't considered and you know to that point of just kind of like it's, it's this is an interesting place i, I yeah. went off on a tangent but i get you as far as understanding your your thoughts on like the current state of creativity and not being able to i think you kind of tie i think we're synonymous in thinking of like objectivity and thinking on a broader sort of plane mm -hmm. okay last question what what does being a creative mean to you mm. what does being a creative mean to me oh i think being a creative is about representing possibilities, like in so many ways. And that can take shape in different ways based on different skill sets or inclinations. But I think it really, creativity is about possibilities, hmm. seeing new ones, creating something that doesn't exist, initiating a new way of thinking, perceiving, touching, smelling, experiencing life that's i think creativity and being a creative as someone who has adopted or lived or believes in helping people to experience new things hmm that's dope i always like to hear everybody's perspective on that and i just think that we're in a, the age of creativity and so you know, Agreed. you might not deem yourself as one, but I deem you as a creative. I do. Based Thank off you. of what you're building and, and being a, a movement builder um, and kind of looking at that state of creativity in, in those spaces. Thank so you. So where, where can we catch you on socials? What's your handles? After we've talked so poorly about socials. Right. But I mean, that's the that's easy way. You got to find me way, somewhere. That's it an is. easy way to connect. And it is. You know, you might use that as a portfolio or however you use Absolutely. those platforms. No, come on over here for real. Um, <laughs> You can follow and check us out a few different ways. Personally, you can follow me at Jovian Zane, J-O-V-I-A-N-Z-A-Y-N-E, at Jovian Zane. You can follow all things related to the On Purpose movement via our handles on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's at On Purpose Movement. And then uh, at Day of Purpose on Instagram too. And on Twitter. Perfect. So, Perfect. Mm -hmm. I'll have that in the show notes. And if you guys want to you know have yeah, any come on questions for the on journey. how to live more on purpose those are definitely the ways that you can yes. get in contact with jovian and um yeah again I, I thank you for taking this time you know what i mean it's been a minute i know we always catch each other in passing so it was great to after church hallelujah right to dive into to what you're doing thank dive you, into Ian. your thoughts on creativity and and just even everything that we've talked about and definitely got to have you back at, at some point love as to well. be back thanks for to having talk me about man. more yeah thank you so you guys thank you so much for listening again to another episode of chats with the starving artists definitely continue to subscribe please 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 it's immense that you leave feedback on itunes give ratings if if this has helped you please pass it along share it with somebody else on purpose um, on purpose yeah don't don't be stingy <laughs> with, <laughs> with it so you know and if you guys want to reach out to joe and we just i'll have the, that information in the show notes as well so thank you guys again don't forget to hit subscribe leave some feedback leave some ratings and thank you guys and until next time i'll see you later